Welcome to the Best Boss Ever podcast. I'm your host, Christine LaPerriere, president of Leader in Motion. On this show, we're going to gossip about the best boss you ever had. We're going to hear stories about things that they did that helped you feel valued, helped you feel engaged, and really inspired you. We want to hear about the bosses that changed the way you look at everything. If you want to hear more, join me at christinelaperriere.com and sign up for our newsletter, The Whip. And today I have a special guest, Marianne Hegley, who is actually calling from Zurich, Switzerland right now, which we're so excited to have you. And we met through a mutual connection. So I just love the fact that this idea inspired you and that you agreed to sign up to uh, talk to me on the show. Thank you, Marianne. Well, thank you, Christine, for having me. I'm very excited to be here. It actually feeds in really well that I'm calling in from Zurich today. We have a new pilot project going at our parent company called Work From Anywhere for one week out of the year, which I think is a brilliant leadership project to implement. And I'm taking full advantage because I also provided training to all employees on how you can make this a success. So of course, I had to test it out, obviously. I think that's perfect. That is perfect. (laughs) So you're getting a chance to enjoy your life outside of work this week, probably see some exciting sights. Yeah, well, it's family that I have here. And so I had to manage everybody's expectations because of the six hour time difference where I am right now, it's eight o'clock at night. So I get to spend the mornings having coffee and do fun stuff with my friends and my family. And then at 2 p.m., It's nothing but work. Amazing. That sounds amazing. And I think a lot of people out there would love that type of flexibility. So, and tell us really quick, just a little bit about you, just so that everybody listening gets a little bit of context. Yes, I am currently the director for learning and leadership at a very small startup called Insight, N-S-I-T-E. And we are an enterprise of the National Industries for the Blind. And so I'm going to introduce myself the way I would with any of our audience members when we do training. I'm a 61-year-old white woman. I wear glasses, have very short hair. I like to pretend it's salt and pepper, but I think it's trending heavily to just salt right now. (laughs) So that gives you an idea that I've been in the field of learning and development for longer than I care to admit. And I've worked for nonprofits, for for for-profits, for the U.S. government, for private schools, for institutions of higher education, and loved every bit of it. And what I'm doing for Insight right now is building really, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say, it's the first ever comprehensive employment readiness and career skills training from blind and visually impaired folks and then we help them get gainfully employed. Amazing. I'm I'm doing an applause, a silent applause because I don't <laughs> but you know what? I love to hear that. This sounds like you're adding big value to some people's lives out there. I really feel that way. I mean, there's a lot of people out there who do similar things that we do. And I have to tell you, there's never a day where I wonder why I get up in the morning. I am loving this job and getting into this kind of engagement at my stage in my career is is just unbelievable. I feel so fortunate. That's amazing. So I'm going to dive right into our big question. Who, if you have one or many, it's, you know, I'll leave the question open to you, but who is your best boss ever? I have three best bosses ever. Mm, uh, lucky. <laughs> yeah, I've been very fortunate. So it's kind of what makes them the best boss ever at that time in my career kind of defines how my career progressed. The first best boss ever was when I started working for a large consulting firm, government consulting, 
around the Washington DC area. And he was just amazing because he, within minutes, figured out what made me tick and never stopped asking what made me tick and responded to that by being the best possible manager I could ever have. He gave me enough leeway to get creative, innovate. He asked for my opinion, but he was always there if I needed him. So he provided me with a brilliant consulting apprenticeship. And I'll tell you a story that really formed the way I view my role or have viewed my role ever since. My very first engagement with that company was a huge transformation project with the Department of Homeland Security. Project meeting, government leads there, and our project manager, who was not my best boss ever, but I equate the two because they have the same attitude, were in this meeting. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, this is going to be one of these dull kickoff meetings for a major project. And this colleague of mine said to the government project manager the following words, we're glad to be back. You've had us back three years in a row. Every time we gave you our services, we made our recommendations and you didn't implement and you didn't transform. I'm here to tell you that this is the last time that in good conscience, we can take your money. So if you again don't implement our recommendations, we will not bid on the next contract. And I almost fell off my chair. And I thought, this is what you want in an ethical consultant. Yes. And that was the attitude of the whole organization. And and my best boss ever at that time personified all of that. So to me, that was a key. I love the integrity that stands behind that, right? Yeah, and it's usually not the reputation of government consultants, right? They're they're right. viewed as slimy and somewhat, you know, cutting corners. But this was very much a no surprises approach in every single one of our projects. You will not hide stuff from the client ever. Right? Amazing. And amongst ourselves, we live that as well. So that whole transparency and building of trust was just utterly amazing. So that that was very formative for me. Amazing. I love that example too, because it just sends the message, right? You're leading with integrity and transparency and you're not, we're going to hit the nail on the head with that. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Amazing. So then you had two more. So keep going. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So the second one was an amazing leader in terms of innovation and taking my expertise seriously, which is not always the case, especially at that time, I was a young woman working for um, a somewhat older director level manager. And I had done some work for the State Department, some really innovative stuff. And they hired me as the trusted advisor for for the State Department because we were implementing worldwide new visa information systems. Crazy stuff. It was a no cost to the government contract to the tune of about 100 million. Now I had to learn the for-profit world. I came from being a government consultant and now I'm in the for-profit world where I have to figure out business cases that I have to sell to the C-suite and it's no cost to the government. So the even a bigger company than the other one I just described, this company went at risk to the tune of tens of millions of dollars, taking it in one little applicant fee at a time. So it was it was a huge risk for the company, but this director gave me the best apprenticeship ever in terms of thinking through the process of a really complex operation in a foreign country where you had to consider local laws, you had to consider currency exchange rates, 
cultural considerations about how to do business in a contact center in El Salvador, right? Mm -hmm. It was amazing. And the way he taught was to sit down and say, okay, let's figure out Polish pricing. And we'd literally have the proverbial napkin in a beer garden in Germany. And we'd map out every step that we could think of that we needed to come up with pricing that would work. Wow. It was fantastic. So it sounds like he, you know, not only was he extremely thoughtful about your expertise and taking it seriously, it also sounds like he was really able to think about the customer and the process and the experience, right? Or the end user, if you call it, like... Yeah. You know, I'm hearing that it wasn't, you know, like you said, local laws and currency. And what is that person experiencing when they're interacting with this? Yeah, exactly. It went from not just the client, but also the end user and what all, what tiny little pieces need to go into this. And it was literally, you felt like an equal at that table, even though my experience was nothing you know, close to what he was bringing to the table. But he never gave me the feeling that I was ignorant or didn't, or just didn't understand. We were sitting there and he would say, okay, now we need to factor this in. And then there's probably going to be value added tax that we need to factor in. Or maybe that's not a thing in this country. And can we take the call that the call will originate in Germany? Can we answer it in Turkey? And we then we would explore together how, you know, how we can find a solution. And always with both the end user, the visa applicant in mind, and the client at the government side, the consular officers, how do we make their lives easier, right? Wow. But it was this 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 feeling I got that I was an equal. I had expertise on the visa side. He had expertise on the business case side. And together we were working to find a solution. Amazing. That's amazing. And it was truly, you know, for you, that feeling of being valued at the table probably yeah. brought more creativity and more ideas. Yeah. And the confidence after a while, right? You'd still go and check back, obviously, with everything. But it was just amazing to see how something could come out of very little knowledge on my part with the right mentoring and support from somebody with all the experience that I didn't have. Right. So he valued the way you think, but maybe not the depth of experience necessarily. Exactly. But he knew he had a vested interest in getting me to that experience level because within a year, year and a half, all he needed from me, I submitted stuff for approval and he knew it was going to be there. And he had trained me the best way I could have ever been trained. That's amazing. So I'm just making notes because these are such great ideas. Third boss. The third boss is my current boss. Okay. Totally new thing. I, I really felt now I'm coming to this with a lot of experience. I almost didn't apply for the job because I thought they're looking for somebody with experience dealing with blind and visually impaired folks. And even though I've had some, I have some friends with issues like that. I had a former business partner, but I felt I didn't know enough to apply for this job. And then I did anyway, because it just sounded too cool to be true startup environment. And, you know, at my age, who wouldn't want to get involved in a startup? I mean, mm -hmm. so, so startup innovation, all of this. So we have this first interview and I said to him, you know, I got to ask you a question because I've seen this in other nonprofits before, right? Insight is a nonprofit and you say you want innovation and you say you want entrepreneurial spirit. And I need to find out whether that's really true. Because I've seen that in other places where they say they want it, and then you come with crazy ideas, and they say, ah, you know what? Uh, we've always done it this way. Let's just stick to that. Right. Stop getting and out of the box. Let's put you back it, in the box, exactly, please. <laughs> exactly. And he was, his answer was brilliant. He said, listen, this has never been done before. We need to 
not just think outside the box. We need to work from way beyond the box to make this a success. It's going to be a wild ride. I'm telling you, we have the support of an amazing parent company, which is more than most startups have. And I am telling you now the reason I want you in this role is because of your crazy background with other weird projects that came out of <laughs> nowhere. And the other thing I think that really appealed to him was my intercultural background. Yeah. If you haven't noticed that, I'm not just calling from Zurich, but that cute accent I have is Swiss. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I've, I've lived in the States almost 40 years, right? I've lived in Pakistan for two years and in Germany for two years, and I've traveled all over the world. And to me, intercultural competency and intercultural understanding is what I believe makes me a better leader. Because every time I open my mouth, I'm trying to figure out how do I need to say this in this environment so that it arrives in an intelligible way with my audience, whoever that may be. And I think my current best boss ever gets that because he's also well-traveled and dealt with a lot of different cultures. So it's been, it's just been amazing. I get, and, and with him, I get even more trust we will sit down and he will say, ah, this is a challenge. What do you think we should do? Mm-hmm. And that is such an honor for me. And it forces me to think very carefully because sometimes my crazy ideas come out a little too fast. <laughs> but then we can sit down together and figure it out, right? And yes, I have not been disappointed. He wants outside the box. Yes. He wants and encourages innovation. And also, like my first best boss ever, is there to support me when I need it. Right. So give us some examples of that. Tell us even more. What does that look like? You know, if I was following you around, around the world (laughs) and getting a chance to see all of this in action, what things would I notice? So uh, let me put it in in uh, maybe a better known leadership model. I've worked a lot. I've done a lot of leadership development training and I'm relying a lot on Blanchard and their concept of a situational approach to leadership, right? So their argument is that as an effective leader, you need to match your leadership style, not only to the individual, but also to the task at hand, because that individual at this task may need more guidance than on another task. And the example we had, we we migrated at one of my former employers from a regular phone system to voice over IP. We had an amazing um, communications director strategic communications, that guy was a wizard. We worked this transition and all of a sudden he was lost. He said, I don't know how to do this. I have to use my computer to make a phone call. What is this? This was pre-pandemic, by the way. Sure, so, sure. <laughs> where everybody learned. Right, right. But, right. So while he was the consummate expert on all things strategic communications, he was an absolute beginner on how to use this new technology. So micromanagement and hands-on guidance was required until he became more comfortable and then you get let go a little more. And so it became a six-month training experience where, you know, he was able to get more proficient and I was able to step back a little every month and things worked out really well. But for, for that to be successful, I had to understand that he was a diff- from a different generation, that mm-hmm. he was used to picking up a phone and having that receiver in hand. Mm-hmm. And I had to figure out how to take the fear of the technology out of him 
and show them that it's absolutely the same thing. Yeah. Instead of picking up the receiver, you click on that phone icon, you know. Right. So so you have to just think about, you know, how uh, he's very insecure in this situation when normally he's the consummate expert. That's right. a scary place to be, right? Right. So you can't walk in and say, oh, it's really simple. Here's five steps. Just follow the list. Right. You needed the handholding and support to help build the new habit and build the new skills. And then you, as you coach him through that, you can slowly start to move away from that again. Yeah. And so to me, that's that's what leadership should be all about. Leadership, we all know, is not about the leader. It's about everybody else, right? When you move to a different culture, it's incumbent upon you to figure out how that culture functions and how to communicate effectively within that culture. Mm-hmm. And that's the same with leadership. I don't talk to all of my colleagues the same way, right? I, I adjust, and not just to that colleague, but on the task we're talking about and possibly on the time of day or how they're feeling on that given day. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell you, for me, one of the reasons why this is an absolute dream job right now is because not only is it yet another apprenticeship, but it's a cross-cultural adventure. I am now dealing, we have we have two colleagues on the team who are completely blind and one who is visually impaired. And it's a daily challenge for me to make sure that Everything I produce is accessible to them. I spend an inordinate amount of time sitting with them and saying, okay, tell me what you see as you're using your screen reader. Right. Is is my PowerPoint presentation accessible to you? Where could I do better? Mm -hmm. And I have learned so much in the last year and a half. It's utterly amazing. And the, the learning continues. So I'm learning a new language. I'm learning a new culture. And I get to innovate. I mean... (laughs) <laughs> it's, a, it's the trifecta. Amazing. Is. <laughs> that is so great. Well, listen, I love that. And I love the stories of those three bosses that you shared. So just bringing this back to, and I want you to think about this, given all the different experience you have, what is the business case? Like what's the impact to the bottom line if an organization has a best boss ever versus not? Oh, it's huge. I, I think if you have a best boss ever... And, and again, I'm a little biased. I mean, it's intercultural stuff, right? But if that best boss can use those cultural competencies, those intercultural competencies to figure out how to talk to each person the way they need to hear whatever the message is, whether it's a difficult conversation or a motivational speech or saying, here's the bottom line, let's go get it, uh, whatever it is, right? If they're capable of doing that, then the business will take care of itself. You don't have to apply excessive guidance. You can really just motivate people to be the best at what they are. I think the other thing that's really important about a best boss is that they build a team based on how the team fits together, keeping in mind the end goal. And sometimes it's not the person with the very best skill and and years of experience. Sometimes it's the person who's the best fit culturally. Mm-hmm. You can always add skills, and but Fit is difficult sometimes, right? Right. So it, I, I think it's absolutely key to success to have a best a mm-hmm. best boss. When you think of leaders that you've worked with who they don't ring the bell of your favorite, and maybe yeah. they limited or stifled your creativity or some of what you bring to the table, tell us a little bit about what are the traits of that kind of leader? What do we want to watch out for? Yeah, I, I have a, a beautiful example of that, too. I had a leader who got hired in after I was there for a while. And the first thing they told me when they walked in was, 
I don't really know anything about what you do in learning and development. You know, that's going to be your thing. Move on. You know, admitting that they know nothing about what I do is not the problem. The problem came when within two or three months, they didn't seem to believe in my expertise. Well, if you're not the expert, but I was hired because I'm you know, supposed to be the expert, and you will not only not ask for my opinion before you make decisions, but you will certainly never take my suggestions and stifle my innovative and entrepreneurial spirit, that is absolutely demoralizing. Mm-hmm. And and again, you know, I don't expect a leader to know everything. On the contrary, I think an effective leader hires people who are completely unlike them and complement their strengths and build a team that way. I don't want to have 15 mini-me's running around. That's not going to go anywhere. I need somebody who's not Marianne. There's stuff I know I'm not very good at. Those are the people I want to hire who have those skills that I'm missing. Right. So so that that was a problem for me. Well, and it's so interesting because you just pointed out something like, so the person just didn't include you or didn't invite your expertise to the table. And so sometimes it's funny. We think of a not great leader as somebody who says something terrible or does something awful. But the truth is, is there's this, it's almost what they don't do. It's the vacuum of what was missing. (laughs) Well, you know, and part of the problem is invariably there'd be fallout. Mm-hmm. And guess who gets to deal with that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those are the challenges. Again, I don't, I have no issue with you being open about not having the expertise. That's why you have me. But then just ignoring the fact that you have that expertise on your team, that's the problem. Right. And so just to kind of pull this together, there are some amazing leaders out there listening to this right now, trying to sharpen their skills to be best bosses. If you had to give them any tips, tricks, practices, things that you really want them to take away from what you shared today, what would you advise them to do? Do anything you can to become aware of what's going on with your team members, right? I mean, it's that active listening, that genuine interest and what makes them tick and what's happening with them today in this moment. I know we get buried in work and we forget to listen and because we don't have time or whatever. I I have a rule where I tell my team members, I know I get frazzled sometimes, but if you need my undivided attention, tell me I need you for two minutes in the conference room and you will have my undivided, I'll drop anything and you'll have my undivided attention because if I stop paying attention to what it is you need, I am not doing my job. So it's that cross-cultural understanding. It makes you vulnerable, which is actually a good thing because you Mm -hmm. can admit that sometimes things are too much for you too, right? Yep. But if you make an effort to understand them, I guarantee you they'll make an effort to understand you and it will be, the sky's going to be the limit in terms of meeting your business goals. Amazing. Well, listen, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. I definitely will say wisdom because I got lots of amazing nuggets and I'm sitting here smiling at all these great ideas that you just filled my head with. So thank you, Marianne, so much. Thank you, Christine. It's been an absolute pleasure. If you want to hear more, join me at christinelaperriere.com and sign up for our newsletter, The Whip. 